Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show that focuses on people and organizations making a big impact in North Texas. I'm your host, Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan, and our first guest this morning is Dr. Leslie Austin. She's with the Trinity Basin Preparatory Schools. How are you doing, Dr. Austin? I'm doing great, Chris. I'm so glad to be here and talking to you today. Yes, yes, yes. I've Believe it or not, I've kept an eye on the schools from afar for a little while now, and I realized that it's the same school I would pass from time to time in Oak Cliff, right off of 10th Street, right? That's right. We have four campuses in the Oak Cliff area. Well, I understand you've grown so so much over the years. I mean, it, was, it started in 1998, and now you've got campuses in Dallas, in Mesquite, and in Fort Worth. Correct. That's uh, We have Dallas four campuses, Fort Worth two, going to three next year, and then just opened Muskie in 2020. Tell us about Trinity Basin, because I know it's a free public school, a public preparatory school. Can you talk about what you guys do and, and how is it absolutely free? So a lot of people sometimes get confused when we say we're a charter school. Yeah. They don't necessarily understand that we're a a free public school. We're in the same system. We're governed by Texas Education Agency, very similar to the independent school districts, governed by all the same rules and regulations. But there is a charter school advantage. Uh, and some of the advantages I'd like to really highlight as we talk today is that, one, we're free. We're open enrollment. And we have a large geographical area. That's why you're going to hear that we're in Dallas, we're in Fort Worth, and we're in Mesquite. And that really is an advantage for our parents because you know, if a parent decides to move to a different apartment complex or buy a house over here, in an ISD, they have to go to that school that's in that zip code. Right. But with a charter school, the advantage is that as long as it's convenient for that parent, you can stay with us because that's in our geographical location. So, uh, like I said, we have an advantage because we're so spread out. Uh, that's really great for our parents. But, yeah, we are, we're growing so much. We're actually in 2023, uh, building plans right now to open in Grand Prairie in Arlington. 
That is fantastic. Can you talk about why there's been such a great growth? Because obviously, when you first start out, you know, like I said, about 23 or 24 years ago, it was like, well, we got this one school. And obviously, you've been doing things the right way or there wouldn't be this replication going on. Right. So we believe in slow and steady growth. Uh, the r- most important thing for Trinity Basin Preparatory is to build that strong foundation for our students and our staff and the community. And so that's kind of why we've slowly been growing mm-hmm. to make sure that we have that foundation strong. And then uh, about four years ago, we started really, I think we had the secret sauce and we still have that secret sauce and began really servicing our community in a way that we felt was successful and it was ready to go to other locations and serve students. And so what we look for is going to those uh, geographical locations where maybe the schools around are not necessarily performing. And we want to come in and provide that choice to our parents. And I think our parents love to choose us because we can keep our class sizes small. It feels like a family still. And we make sure that our environment that our students are learning in, that experience is safe. And that's really part of our mission and our vision is that we we tell our parents we're committed to providing a system of charter schools that are academically successful, financially strong, and safe for our students and families. And I think that's why we've been able to grow uh, so, so much greater in the last few years. This is absolutely a major success story, again, because there's so much going on with education today. I've, I've been saying that educators, especially uh, during the pandemic and on this side of the pandemic, they're some of the real heroes. We always talk about first responders and healthcare workers, but so are the educators because they are the ones who've had to work with kids either virtually or in person, knowing or both. yeah or both. <laughs> and and so for a, a school to have growth and like you say to maintain your mission, which is educating children in an environment of achievement and success, I think that's that's very outstanding. And we're talking again with Doctor. Leslie Austin, the Chief Academic Officer of Trinity Basin Preparatory. Dr. Austin, can you talk about some of the challenges over the last three years? I can. And we're coming off the heels of Teacher Appreciation Week last week. Yes. Celebrating our teachers so much last week. It's my favorite week of the year. Um, That's so awesome. And I actually call them, they are definitely heroes, our teachers and what they have been through. I always have believed our educators are heroes, but now I call them mountain movers. Mm-hmm. They have had so many mountains these last, I think we're going on our third school year uh, yeah. in this pandemic. And so it, it, they've been moving mountains for our children. And what we saw coming into the pandemic, many schools like TVP were not a one-to-one uh, initiative with Chromebooks or laptops or iPads. And so the very first thing that most of our educators had to do was get the technology in our students' hand in the middle of the pandemic when we were at home. Uh, we had no shortage of volunteers that came up in the middle of uh, school closures to hand out computers to make sure we wow. had hotspots. We started food on the third day of closure. We, na- we knew our kids and our families needed food. So when we did finally come back into the classrooms, I, we taught in person and virtual, sometimes at the same time. Uh, we've had to learn all kinds of new technologies. In the middle of that, we've been faced with COVID learning loss. Many of our, our teachers and our parents have been hearing that. There was learning loss, so now we're trying to regain that back and still push our kids to grow to their potential. So when I when I talk about teachers, they're mountain movers because that's what they're doing every day, and they make magic happen in those classrooms. You know, you, you mentioned that, and, and again, uh, you say parents and teachers understand learning loss. Can you explain it for those 
who don't understand that it was tough for these these last three years for kids to actually learn. So let's start with our youngest of learners, our, our K through three. Those are some of the most formative years of mm-hmm. children with reading and math literacy. And we're used to teaching them face-to-face, in person, with hands-on manipulatives, them getting to teachers modeling for kids how to read, reading fluencies. When we came to Zoom or Teams or uh, there's so many platforms, you lose an aspect of that connection. Yes. You don't have the manipulatives at home. Our, our parents, you know, there was scissors and glue and the counters sure. and things that we didn't get to send home that necessarily didn't sit in the house. And so we were trying to find ways for kids to do those. And so just naturally having that, you know, six hours co- constant connection with that teacher, with that educator who's trained to do this, there's learning loss. I, I'm a parent of three children. And at during the pandemic, I was teaching my three children at home and they just don't listen to their parents. They right. want their teachers. Right. Exactly. So the, the, parents, the parents, the parents aren't cool enough to, to listen to all the time. <laughs> no, I, I want my teacher. Yeah. My teacher told me this, and, and, and that teacher wasn't available as much as they were in the past. But let me tell you, teachers were on call 24-7. Though we were meeting the needs of parents because parents were still, were still working mm-hmm. through the pandemic, so they couldn't help their student till they got home. And so sometimes we were making calls at 7, 8, 9 o'clock at night to help our parents. One thing that we started during the pandemic for our parents was something called Parent University. Mm-hmm. Because we started getting a lot of feedback. Well, I'm trying to help my student, but this is not the way I learned it. And so we started doing a parent university and oh, saying, yeah. okay, we're going to talk disconnect. about math strategies. Yeah. Yes, we're going to talk about math strategies. We're going to talk about technology. We're going to talk about how to help your child build their vocabulary or count their numbers when you don't have the counters. What can you count? So we started holding Zooms for parents to jump on and learn so they could help their students during this time at home. But at the end of the day, you know, just the impact of the COVID disruption has caused learning loss. And with some of our, our littlest learners and some of our low SES at socioeconomic status, it has had a bigger impact. Oh, and I can imagine, especially in the underserved communities, because they're not able to focus. Maybe the parents are working from home or maybe the parents aren't even in the house enough. And the teachers are trying to see if the kids are learning virtually and they may be distracted and you just don't know it. Yeah, absolutely. We saw a lot of that, you know, trying to have the the students on camera, but there was multiple siblings in the home or like you said, no one was home or just the constant distractions that are home. You're sitting on a computer. Well, there's YouTube and there's TV. Oh, and also there's a challenge. There was also the challenge of not every home had really good Wi-Fi. No, no. We actually had 500 hotspots that about in a six week time that we made sure we had available for our parents because they just didn't, uh, no one knew we were going to go into a pandemic and right. have to teach our children from home. So, but yeah, we deployed lots of hotspots uh, that first year, really. There was so many challenges. And then also, you know, a lot of kids, because they weren't able to be around their friends a lot. I know this mm-hmm. past year, because a lot of them were able to get back to the schools, that made a huge difference to be around their own friends and actually see their teachers and, and, and able to, I don't know, socialize. That's the best way to put it, even right. at a distance, but at least socialize with a lot of hand sanitizer around from, and the masks when the masks were around. I mean, I know it was, it was a big difference, and I know that was also uh, part of the transition. Absolutely. So I always say this to everybody, everything you need to, to know and like you learn in kindergarten, mm-hmm. what happens when you didn't spend 
a true kindergarten year. You don't learn how to play with your friends, share, you know, healthy conflict. And so absolutely, we came into the transition year back to in-person having more behavior issues than we have seen in the past. One thing we implemented at Trinity Basin was trauma-based informed teaching. Because not only did we have to get the kids reacclimated, but the adults to what we were now seeing with the kids and Mm -hmm. really understanding that everybody experienced some level of trauma with COVID and the disruption and being at home. And so really understanding what that looks like in a kid's behavior is something we've worked with with our with our teachers. And so, yeah, it's definitely, we've, I think we're coming on to that other side now. Mm-hmm. Our students are really starting to get in routine. Uh, this week, I'm sure you're aware, is the big star testing that everybody's yes. doing. And so I, I do think that there are so many successes throughout this year, despite those challenges that our teachers have faced. That's why I'm going to continue to call them mountain movers, because they have been moving those mountains. But our kids are also so resilient. And watching them in classrooms now and getting back into the swing of education it's so great to see those light bulbs come on. And I know if those teachers out there are listening, when those kids start getting those concepts and they start becoming confident again, because they kind of lost some of that yeah. with that learning loss and being at home. And now they're getting in again, and you can see it when you're going into classrooms. So and, and, I love education. I can talk all day about the magic that happens in the classroom. Oh, I just love you. This is why you're the perfect person to be the chief academic officer, because I can just tell it in your voice. Uh, and, and we already know uh, academics and, and, and educators, teachers, they don't, they don't get enough money. They don't, they're not paid well enough, no matter what the amount is. And they don't do it for the money. They do it because they enjoy watching kids learn, right? Absolutely. But I'm going to say that going out there, and as, uh, this goes out into the radio world, we do need to pay our professional teachers and our yes. staff more. You know, And that's out there. A TEA is doing an amazing job. They have something called the Teacher Incentive Allotment. And it's really trying to infuse that money into those classroom teachers based like there's a distinguished system that they have. And we're really trying to make an impact on showing teachers monetarily that we appreciate them. But Mm -hmm. we also are having a teacher shortage. I'm going to put that out there. Everybody's uh, experiencing it. I don't know if you've heard about it, Chris. Oh, sure. We're not having as many teachers come into the field. And so what I would love to tell those people thinking about, what do I want to do in college or what do I want to become, those high schoolers as they're graduating in the next couple of weeks, teaching is a noble profession. And, yes, you're not going to get paid the millions, but what you're going to get in, in place of that money is just a lasting impact and a legacy that you would leave. And we need people like that in front of our kids every single day. So I would just really, really, like, call out to those people who want to work in a profession that has impact lifelong impact come into teaching. Yes, you feel so much better. I mean, it's like it's, it's, it's a way of giving, but it's a life calling. And at the same mm-hmm. time, I want to remind the parents who might be listening because, you know, you guys teach all the way to eighth grade. We do. We go, so we're pre-K three, mm-hmm. three-year-olds. They come half day. We have pre-K full, four-year-olds, full day. And then we go to eighth grade. And so we really are building like a foundation of literacy. We have a 55% um, the emergent bilingual po- population. And so we really foundationally get strong readers. That's like our whole goal. So they can be prepped to go to high school, whatever mm-hmm. that choice of high school that they want to. And eventually, you know, post-secondary or career. But yeah, that's, that's kind of who we service and what we, we focus on academically. I, I want to remind all the parents, if you have kids that are still not even high school, maybe even their high school age, go back to your elementary school where your kids went to elementary school and go visit your kids' teachers. I'm, I'm talking about bringing your kids. 
The teachers remember every single one of them. They really do, and it brings them so much joy just to see how the kids are turning out. Am I wrong? Absolutely. You are so right. I was just telling a story that I saw a parent of a fourth grader I had 10 years ago, Chris, and the mom was so excited to tell me that they were graduating college this week. Wow. That, like, met the world. He was a fourth grader and just the work through, but she remembered to tell me, like, because of you, my students graduating from college. And, and it's a you know, 13-year process that so many individuals touch these children's lives and, mm-hmm. and get them to that success. And so as a teacher, and I will always be a teacher, anytime anybody asks me, what do you do? I teach. Even though I don't get to teach every day, but right. I'm a teacher. And so hearing those stories, yes, parents, take your students back. Let them see their teachers. That's one thing that keeps us going, really. If we don't get yes. paid the money, it's the kids that, and the parents and the community that keep us in our profession. Yes, show them, show the teachers, the educators, how much you care because they, that's what, that's the difference. That's the difference in how, Absolutely. you know, they make a difference in your kids' lives. Just let them know that you know that they've done some things. And and here's what's wild. What's wild is sometimes because life is so fast nowadays, it's an instant gratification world. It's, you know, 5G, everything split second. Sometimes you look up and time has flown by and you go, oh, I meant to go by to see Miss So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so. It's never too late. If you get a chance, make a call to your, your, your kid's elementary school or even your own elementary mm-hmm. school just to say hi and give a hug to the teacher that helped you get to where you are. Absolutely. Or see if there's anything they need. Sometimes, hey, just bring in some markers, crowns, and yes. markers. Uh, we love those, if anybody wants to know. <laughs> but that's what I love about Trinity Basin Preparatory. Because we've done that slow growth model purposely, mm-hmm. we've been able to keep families. And we have families that start with us in pre-K three, and then we'll have all of their siblings come through to eighth grade. And they continue to ask us, when are we getting high school? Because they want to stay with us. So that's really a compliment to us, that they would want their whole educational career for their child to be with Trinity Basin Preparatory. So family is what we're about, for sure. I like the way you've, like I said, you've replicated the model to Fort Worth and the Mesquite and and expanded in Dallas. I was wondering, because sometimes schools, the elementary school is so successful, they just extend the grades and they take it all the way to ninth grade or they take it all the way to 12th grade. What made you guys decide to do it just from the uh, elementary school and pre-K level? So actually the history of TVP, they did go into 10th grade and our CEO is Randy Schaefer mm-hmm. and they were providing ninth and 10th grade education and he felt it wasn't as high quality as what our kids deserve. And so he pulled back and he said, it's not until we can create a strong foundation and then have the best high school for our kids. We're not going to do it until we're ready. And actually, for the last year, we've been starting to talk about we're going to do a P-TECH high school. Now, COVID slowed everything down, but mm-hmm. when we do our high school, it is going to be exactly what our students need and what our families believe they need. And so we've been talking with uh, Tarrant County Community College and really seeing what our students need so that when we set our high school up, our goal is 24-25, that is exactly what's needed in our community and what's needed for our students to be successful in life after school. I love so, it. That's what we, we kind of pulled back, and now we're starting to say, okay, that's foundation strong, and it, it's time to start looking for our families and supporting them in high school. May is a big month for all school kids, whether they're pre-K or whether they're high school seniors or even in college, because a lot of kids graduate. Can you talk about some of the activities 
that Trinity Basin has got going on this particular month? Absolutely. So I'm going to tell you, like you said, it's all grades are important right now because this is when we start looking at field trips. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the last two years, we really ha- we have not taken field trips. And you wouldn't believe it, but it is super important to get our kids out there and exposure and sure. see the zoos and the museums. And so that's really big. Um, Pre-K, K-1, they're so excited to be taking their field trips. Our eighth graders who haven't had a field trip in two and a half years, three years, uh, we're taking them down to Houston to the NASA Center, and that's their big yes. kind of like you're graduating kind of thing. I did that it's with my two daughters stuff. and my son. Yes, that's yeah. huge. It is huge. Those are, I mean, I love school. I've always loved school. That's why I'm an, an educator. But what do I remember? I remember recess. I remember mm. my teacher, how much they cared, and I remember field trips. Um, sure. And so we want to provide that experience. Our eighth graders, we get to start celebrating them as they start getting their acceptance into their high school choices, whether it's an academy, whether it's um, P-TECH. You know, we work with Fort Worth ISD. We work with uh, Dallas ISD, other charters, and really make sure our kids know exactly where they want to go so they can kind of take that path to college or career. And so as they start getting their acceptance, we start celebrating them. They have, like, their little Hall of Fames where, they, you know, their letters go mm-hmm. up. So we do that with them, and then we have our our we don't call it graduation ceremony necessarily because we want high school graduation to be there. That's where they want to go. And so it's just the end of the year celebration. We have dance okay. for graders, and we kind of just really recognize and reward them. And so that's kind of where we're at. At the end of, we do end of the year awards for attendance and grades. And so it is, it is one of my most favorite times of the year at the end of the year. It gets super busy, but it's so great to see the accomplishments that our teachers and students have had all year long. We're talking with Dr. Leslie Austin. Uh, she's the chief academic officer with Trinity Basin Preparatory and Charter School, and it's absolutely free. It's a free school. And, and like I said, you've got campuses in Fort Worth and Dallas and Mesquite. I want to know how you got involved. How did you get involved with Trinity Basin Preparatory? Because I just totally love your, your attitude and your enthusiasm. Well, thank you. How, so how were they I, lucky enough to get you? <laughs> It's a funny story. So I love to say that my last job before becoming the chief academic officer, I was a high school principal. So I'm a recovering high school principal. (laughs) Uh, But I I grew up as a teacher in Dallas ISD. And um, really, I've been in first grade, fourth grade. I've been a high school coach and got into administration about uh, uh, 2010, I think is kind of when I moved into administration. I've also served in a rural school district, uh, Maypearl ISD. Actually oh, yeah, Maypearl, East Texas. Yeah, yeah I've been out to Maypearl, out by the lake. Uh, so I, I sit on their board, their ISD board. I'm a board trustee. And my daughter and my son were about to come into high school. And my daughter's graduating next week. And I wanted her to have a really great high school experience with not me being her principal. <laughs> <laughs> And so I was like, okay, finished my doctorate in 2017, and I started saying, okay, where do I want to get involved? I loved my work with Dallas ISD. I love working with students who are underprivileged, who maybe don't have all of the things at their fingertips that other students may have in other areas. And so I wanted to really find a place that I could make impact. And so this is actually the only job I applied for. (laughs) I saw chief academic officer. And I saw that I got to make decisions in programming and what was put in front of students and, and how I could help teachers and applied. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. I turned down the job the first year because I was not ready to leave 
the high school just yet. Mm-hmm. There were so many great things going on in Maypro ISD and still are. And so I wasn't ready to leave. But Trinity Basin was like, nope, you are the person. So for the next six months, they kept saying, we need you to come. We need you to come. And so I think it was April that I finally decided, like, they are a, sal- a solid charter school. They have been here since 1998. They work with students. Their core values, uh, it spells out Titan because our mascot is t- Titan, okay. are truthful. They're innovative, tenacious accountable and nurturing. And those really spoke to me because the variety of those are, let's talk about accountable. They have high expectations, but as a parent and as the parents that we serve, they have high expectations for what an educational experience should be. But nurturing, they talked all about family. That's where I wanted to be. I wanted to be somewhere that had a family atmosphere, but knows that what's best for kids is the number one always. Mm-hmm. And so that they just really, it just, The mission of Trinity Basin just spoke to me. Our motto is to inspire every student to do more, expect more, and be more, because sometimes our students don't even know what their aspirations are. And it's up to us to to help them find that road and then give them all the tools to get there. And that's honestly what Trinity Basin Preparatory is all about. And so I had to get on the team. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and you found your, your right spot on the team, the whole nine yards. I know it's been just a rewarding rewarding experience so absolutely it definitely has been rewarding i would be remiss to say that the last three years have not been hard in education but i don't believe it would have mattered where i was education was hard the last three years mm-hmm. but trinity based and preparatory the family the parents the community that we serve has what's made every single day worth it and what are some of the things that are upcoming i know you guys are plotting up things for the summer and this fall and, and, and like you said, getting things, getting past the pandemic, making the pivot, uh, utilizing both the virtual and in-person. I know there's lessons that you've learned along the way the last couple of years. Oh, lessons learned and what we're doing. I think one thing that we're doing that I love uh, working with TEA, they have done a phenomenal job with COVID learning loss. Mm-hmm. And we're really starting to do uh, learning acceleration. And we have three major goals with learning acceleration. It's providing high-quality instructional materials so that where our students are right now, we're going to accelerate them to get to grade level or above. Super important. Uh, The second one is really making those connections with the parents and them being important stakeholders of what it is that you feel that your student needs to be ready for that next level, whether it's eighth to ninth or into high school, and then community partnerships. We really now that, you know, COVID's allowed us, kind of waned a little bit, and we're mm-hmm. getting back open with our community partners, Clayton Youth Enrichment. We work with them in Fort Worth. We're about to roll those out to all of our campuses. They do after-school enrichment, SEL activities, social-emotional learning. They have the Clayton Quest. It's a, an enrichment curriculum that we do with our students after school. One of our cool partnerships that we did do during the pandemic, but it was virtual, so it was really hard, and you're going to know why when I tell you. We work with the Dallas Symphony Orchestra and their Young Musicians Program, which is phenomenal. So see why it was hard to do it over Zoom, because you're trying to teach them how to I play I was going to ask you, how in the world were you able to do this on a Zoom? <laughs> the, uh, DSO did a wonderful job with their instructors. <laughs> they just Zoomed and did practices, and then they would get all the kids on Zoom, and they would they would do the orchestra together. Wow. But, I can imagine yeah. everybody had their own little monitor and they're all of a sudden they're all yeah. in their own little square. That's a, that's almost like a commercial. That's almost like a YouTube. <laughs> it really is. Uh, Dallas Symphony Orchestra and their Young Musician Program has just been 
phenomenal at Trinity Basin. We actually have a, a, a whole modular building at one of our campuses designated to DSO to really build that partnership because music and education go hand in hand and oh, how yeah. that really helps kids connect and belong. And so is that, is that a field trip, by the way, is that a future field trip to the symphony? Well, actually, since our partnership with them, we get to go to the Meyerson and there's like uh, in May. Yeah. We can take our families and kids there. And nice. Uh, the very first performance that our kids have was at the Meyerson. So can you imagine your first performance oh ever? Goodness. You're at the Meyerson. And so. And you're bringing your uh, tuba? <laughs> uh, right. Absolutely. Your violin. Right. Uh, flute. We had a six-year-old playing the flute the other day. Uh, we did a, a small performance for the DSO and their contributors. And she was six playing the flute, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. Uh, those are things I'm, yes. I just love talking about that. Oh, so really yeah. just those partnerships, being able to open back up and start doing those again, it just doesn't benefit just TDP. When we do this, we open it up to the community around us. Mm-hmm. Whether they're sitting with Dallas ISD, Fort Worth ISD, or another charter, when we open up programs like DSO and Clayton Youth, we open it up to our community. So that's just what we believe in. When we come into a community, it's to serve the whole community. That is fantastic. So you've got to tell us if someone wants to partner with Trinity Basin, or if anyone wants to be a teacher there, or educator there, administration, or if they'd like information on how to get their kids to be part of the uh, enrollment, how would they do this? So the very first thing I, I would always tell anybody is check us out on our website. Mm-hmm. It's www.trinitybasin.com. And that has everything there. It talks about who we are, you know, our mission, our vision, our core values, what we offer in academics, what we offer for our parents, all of those community partnerships. And believe me, there I have three pages worth of those. And then we have careers. And on that career page, if you want to come work with us, yeah, I mean, it step-by-step step tells you everything that we have done and what we do. How we support our educators, I think, is so important. How we build and empower them to become leaders on campus in their classrooms. And so we provide support like no other. I told you I've been in ISDs. I've been in other schools. And what we provide our teachers is the most I've ever seen. We provide ESL on every campus. We provide a special education teacher. We provide RTI, dyslexia teachers, instructional aid support. And then we have our actual own pipeline where we grow. We call them game changers. We have a game changer leadership academy where our teachers come in and just kind of learn what it is to become that leader on campuses. Mm -hmm. And so really empowering our leaders just to grow and learn more. So teachers, uh, administrators, just check us out there. Or you can call myself, Leslie Austin. Uh, my number's there. My email's lawson at trinitybasin.net. Goes weird there. Brandon Duck does all of our development. He's amazing. He is our chief of development and has all these partnerships. So I just say Google us. You know, it's a new verb, Google us. <laughs> <laughs> it's the simplest thing to do, and it's, it also helps you learn everything you need to know about whoever you want to do business with or want to do uh, functions with. Dr. Leslie Austin, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's my pleasure to do this with you, Chris, and talk about not just TBP, but just education in general. Oh, we're going to have to do this again. Let's try, to get, let's try to get you back on the show next fall. Will that work? That would be awesome. I would uh, really appreciate that. She is Dr. Leslie Austin, the Chief Academic Officer with Trinity Basin Preparatory. And joining us now is Gabe Batista. He's the co-founder of the Representa Foundation. How you doing, Gabe? Hey, how we doing? 
I'm doing just fine. I've always been curious about your organization because you've been doing so many wonderful things, especially going towards children. Can you talk about how you guys conceived of the Representative Foundation and what it means to the community? So um, I guess uh, the story is uh, there's you know there's longer and shorter versions of the story. Take your um, time. The the part of part of it has to be that. Uh, I have a very uh, close affinity to music and to um, to culture as a, mm-hmm. as a former musician myself, um, and uh, and somebody who is, uh, feels passionate about culture. Um, it, it was so always something that uh, I wanted to uh, make sure that uh, remain front and center of, of my life in, in some sort of way. Uh, I met uh, my uh, a business partner in in my in my travels and in my. Um, going and, and doing things. Um, her name is Anna, and she uh, she she was the one that had the the idea of of the nonprofit. And she said, "Hey, you know, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that?" And and that resonated with me. And and she says, "Well, you know, with your with your business skills and and your um, administrative experience, maybe you could help me put this together." And so basically, Representa became. Um, it actually started as an event that we put together with a with a company called um, Uptown Latino mm-hmm. that does um, events around DFW. Um, from, we promote concerts. We've done things like that, and um, and it was uh, and it was an event that featured um, musicians and featured uh, dance acts. And in in doing that, we started working with a lot of parents. And and people who uh, who wanted uh, their kids to be able to um, dance uh, uh, different uh, styles of, of music that are um, uh, in, that originate in in, in, San, in South America and in Latin America, and uh, but uh, but you know their kids would grow up here without really being exposed to that, but at our events, so that just kind of uh, begotten the the initial seed for it. Eventually we decided to turn that event into, into a nonprofit. Um, and, uh, at the time I, I knew, I knew Anna uh, more. I, w- I was a musician that participated in her events. And, um, and then eventually, uh, when, uh, when my entrepreneurial career, um, uh, took me back to, um, meeting her and, and kind of uh, joining her as a, as a business partner now, um, then we decided to take it up to the next level. And so mainly what Representa does is we, um, we, we raise money mm-hmm. to be able to hire um, uh, teachers of, uh, of uh, salsa, of uh, tango, of different styles like that to, to teach uh, children and families. We get, we, we'd like to uh, get the families um, kind of uh, integrated. And so we ask, we ask parents. And so the parents say, yeah, I want to sign up and, and I have, you know, two kids or three kids and here are my ages. So right now we're, we're getting ready to start rehearsals for what's going to be our cultural side of the Dallas Columbian Festival, which is uh, our big event that we do in, um, in Addison Circle Park. And, um, and so we have, a, we have a cultural side of, of, of that event, which is, uh, which is uh, directed and, and, and put together, produced by 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 the foundation and so we're basically signing up parents uh and and they're and usually their children um although sometimes we have uh you know young ones that just participate and their parents kind of sit on the sidelines but mainly mainly uh, we do have uh, families participating and then we have rehearsals where um choreographies are put together 
you know, different shows are put together and then we rehearse them so that we can show them. We will have a, a show uh, tentatively um, about uh, July 16th, which would be the premiere for a small group of donors and, and, and people who support the foundation. Uh, and then we'll have an encore presentation in the actual festival, um, kind of in the middle of it, um, outdoors and, and more um, for, for more people. And basically that's, that's what we do. The, the idea is how do we inculcate, how do we, um, we preserve mm-hmm. um, this, uh, the beautiful things of the Latin American culture while at the same time recognizing that uh, our culture can make improvements. There are some things uh, that, that could be improved, could be better. So um, I think that's the great, uh, the great struggle of, uh, of civilization, if, if I may put it so philosophically, to, to be able to preserve what is valuable that you inherited from the past uh, and, th- and also to be able to improve uh, on, on, on what you have uh, for the future. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an unwritten contract between people who are no longer here uh, and, and left us, but they left us with something. Um, and some of those things are good and some of those things are bad um, and because of uh, reality and life is difficult for, for everybody. Um, but how do we take that and then we, we trim out the, like a gardener would, would, uh, would uh, trim out the, the things that are not usable uh, so that we can bear uh, big, bigger and better fruit for the next, uh, the next uh, generation. So instead of saying, well, everything was bad or, or everything was good, it's like, what are those things that uh, are really meaningful um, and that are communicated generally through the arts, through dance, through music, through, um, uh, and, and, and through theater, um, and, um, and that we can, we can capture, we can capture those and then make sure that uh, the next generation has uh, access to that inheritance, which is theirs, is really ours. And and we and we depend on them to take it to the next uh, to the next uh, to the next level. I love the way you put that because seriously, a lot of kids, no matter what the cultural background is, they they learn through art or they learn through music or they learn through dance, and it's always the latest. It's always the latest dance move, or it's the latest mm-hmm. musical instrument that you want to learn to play, or whether yeah, it's electronic music or whether it's just mm-hmm. in the studio. Or if, and and then you say, wait a minute. Did you know your grandfather used to do this? And they go, wow. Or did you know in our history, we used to do that? And they go, wow. And so, as you mentioned, it's something to be about keeping the cultural roots alive mm-hmm. through the artistic expressions. And that's part of what Representative Foundation does, right? It's, it's providing the history. And sometimes the kids, like, they're on TikTok or they're on Snapchat sure. or whatever. Exactly. And they say, wow. I didn't know that's a dance move that, you know, maybe kids did in the 1980s or the 1950s or even the 1920s or even, you know, in the 1800s. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's that's definitely the case that uh, really we're we're all connected. And generally what is what is new, it's it's also old. And, and, you know, that and that's just, you know, the the nature of it. Uh, We we raise money to bring, for example, um, authentic instruments Mm -hmm. that, uh, that are used. Um, authentic um, uh, customs that are used, uh, dresses, hats, you know, all those things sure. that are still being made um, down down in Latin America. But you know, no, you, know you you can't go to the you know the local store here and get them. Because right, they're not at they, Walmart. <laughs> exactly, they're definitely not. So we raise money to 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 actually be get those made in different sizes. So we we accumulate kind of a an archive of 
okay, so this is this is what people in Chile wear. This is what people in Venezuela wear. This is what you know, and this is this is how it all develops. This is how we're all together, one people. But this is also how we are all together, different. And that is again the the great. Uh, the great, the great struggle. Our, our differences can, can, can represent conflict and can represent, in worst cases, war. But also, our differences represent variety. They represent innovation. Yes. They represent. And every time that you've, uh, that you've had uh, different cultures uh, come together uh, in, in, a, in the same geographic spot, the, the, the common denominator, and sometimes there is conflict, but, but also um, what, what gets created from that is usually great art, great music, yes. uh, great dance, because people recognize in each other, wow, I, I want that. I want that. I want to be able to do that, what those guys did with those instruments or what those people did mm-hmm. with that dance. And, and I think that we, we have we are in a privileged position in, in, in Latin America, and we were for you know hundreds of years, arguably, that to be able to be host to the to the Europeans in its day, to the Africans that were brought over, mm-hmm. and the indigenous people, and everybody kind of found it themselves together and saying, "Wait, you dance how? And how do you do that? And what are you doing?" And, and to be able to say, you know, why don't we why don't we mix all of this? And for example, our our project this year is uh, is called Ella se llama Cumbia, or her name is Cumbia, and and we talk a little bit about how Cumbia, the, the rhythm Cumbia, was created and how international it has become, and it is really a mixture of all those of all these different traditions in a in, in a very and it has been taken by 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 Mexico and has been taken by Argentina and, and everybody seems to you know, have their own, for example, here in Texas, the, the great uh, cumbia tradition of Selena, for example, she's mm-hmm. very popular still. Very and, popular. And, she's, and, she, and she's, a, she's a cumbia artist and she got that from, from you know, the indigenous, uh, the African and the European hands in, 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 in towns in Colombia where they were trying to figure out how to, how to meld these things together. So we're we're talking a little bit about that. It's a little bit of a of a theater show, a little bit of a narration, but it's got the uh, uh, choreographies and 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 then different snippets of music of different cumbias, different eras, and kind of mixing and kind of showing that exactly what you say. The newest thing always had an origin, and the origin is usually from some time before. And then if you if you ju- if you just start tracing your steps. You realize that the newest thing, generally, is usually not so new. It's just a new way of doing something that has already been done before. We're talking with Gabriel Batista. He's the co-founder of the Represent Foundation. And Represent, of course, broadens understanding and appreciation for Latin American culture, amongst many things. I really like your entire concept, and I especially like the fact that you want to show all of the younger kids, especially in your, your, your raising money for kids and, and underserved communities. But more importantly, you're letting them know their history, because once people know their history, they actually there's power in knowledge. And even if you're not a kid, even if you're a little older, you go, wow, I never knew. For example, you mentioned Selena and people in Texas absolutely love the late oh, yeah. great Selena. And the, the movie was made and, and everybody just really respects her art. But also, mm-hmm. I can go back to, I just read an article today about the Rolling Stones, the great rock musicians, the Rolling Stones, sure. and they talked about how not only did they love the blues, and they named their group the Rolling Stones off of a song by Muddy Waters, the American blues artist, mm-hmm. but they also mm-hmm. talked about how they loved reggae, and they loved Latin music, and how they spent a lot of time in France. And it's all about learning the different cultures 
and then making something your own, but also respecting the history and spreading the word because that's what Mick Jagger and Keith Richards were talking about in this article. Okay. I read that they were they were respecting the history and about how all they had all these different albums and it influenced their music. And that's what that's what probably made you come up with the idea of, of incorporating all these different things for a representative, right? Yeah, that thing, I think that word you just used is a, is a very good word and it's a very important word for an artist, for really for a human. Um, I was a, I was a music teacher for many years, Excellent. and what I used to used to tell my students is when they maybe saw me play or something, and they would say, "Well, I would I will never be able to do that." And my 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 quip to them was always, "Look, we're all students of the music; we're just at different levels." Mm-hmm. And and that and that I think it's a it's a metaphor of life. We're all students of life. We're all students of history. We're just at different stages and. And I think it's it, we we do well to take our assignment seriously. Uh, we are lifelong students. We are always learning. There's always something to to learn. Things uh, only only seem unprecedented when you don't know your history. Seem things only exactly. seem so new and, and 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 shocking when you don't when you don't know when you don't have when you have no context of what has been going on. And and it's I think is a is a is a personal assignment that everybody should um, should should take up. But I want to be able to at least be part of on the sparking of that of that idea. I have the privilege of of uh, doing that when I was a when I was a teacher, and I still get messages that sometimes a random email message or social sure. media message from students that say, "Hey, I don't know if you remember me, but you you were my first my first piano teacher." And you really sparked something in me. I just got a message a couple months ago uh, from from a girl that I do remember her, and she says I'm all star, I'm all state champion of of piano, and and I can say it was because of you. It was it was you you wow. you, you showed me uh, a thing, and so for me, I mean, what what a privilege. And so I'm thinking in my head, how do we do that? With, with more children? How do we do that with, with more people? Mm-hmm. Because uh, I think there are many, many children are getting uh, very, very negative messages out there. And there are many reasons to feel negative because there's always reasons to feel negative about things. Mm-hmm. But, but what, is, what is the counterpoint to that? What is, what is the, what is the if, if there's darkness, there's only darkness because there is light. And so where is the, where is the light that we can say, look, you see that light? Walk towards it because you you will discover things that that are precious gems in and that are they're encapsulated as you say in 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 art in dance because they're so precious that you don't quite understand them but you can at least enjoy them and be 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 part of them and then when you integrate them you start to kind of get to know things and realizing that this comes from the many many lifetimes of different generations of people who've uh, suffered many great things mm-hmm. from disease to war to starvation, you name it. I mean, we live in very privileged times compared to, you know, the, you know, the, you're, you're thinking, you know, 1500s. Uh, it, 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 so really to think and to be grateful about all those things. And even though those people that live usually year, uh, a very short lifetime, lifetimes of mm-hmm. 30 years, 40 years, and they were able to put something together. So, for example, um, this weekend, um, the the Dallas Symphony Orchestra is putting together um, the uh, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, and I'm going to be attending tonight. 
Okay. And 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 you and you and you think, look, that's that, that that's a treasure. That is something yes. someone put together, and, and 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 it's ours. And you can you can go to it, and you can be marvelled at it, and you can go, wow. And you can say, you know what? You all those musicians, all those people that that are that put it together. At some point, they were children. Just like you, yes, and and they and they and they 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 had a calling. They they saw something. Whether you become a musician or you become somebody who is is in attendance, you are participating in the development of of of, uh, of humanity. And there's there's positivity in that. There is there is uh, uh, good things to be to be to be gleaned from that. And it's not not all doom and gloom and and things are going to go bad for you mm-hmm. and you can't help it. No. There are positive things, and you can you can improve yourself. And if you take that assignment, you'll realize it's the most wonderful adventure that you could ever be a part of. Yes, it builds confidence, pride. Uh, it's meaningful, impactful. I, I love the way you talk about this because, as an educator yourself, you know firsthand from from different kids. You mentioned this this one student. She she's a, a state champion playing the piano. What kind of instruments do you play? Because you mentioned that you're a, you're a musician, but you never said the different ones that you played. Yeah, so I have degrees in music composition. So I've studied many different instruments. Nice. Um, and uh, and I became because when you when you become a composer, you have to basically you have to know how every instrument works because that's the only way you can write music for it. Mm-hmm. You can't be writing a note that, that doesn't exist in 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 the instrument because maybe it's too low or too high. You need to know how low a clarinet goes, for example. Um, so uh, I, I studied many different instruments. I've played many different ones. I wouldn't say that I ever became a master of, 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 of any of them because I was more in, interested in the expression ability that each instrument would give me. But I did teach piano and guitar and, and percussion, bass, played with a, a lot of different bands here in the area, top 40 bands, um, uh, and, and of course a, b- a bunch of Latin bands me being Latin. Um, I also, one of the uh, side projects that I have as an entrepreneur is I manage one of the, uh, one of the popular Latin bands here, Fusion Latina. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so that's, the, that's a, you know, kind of a young salsa band. And we, we put, we put together events for salsa artists. So music is very close to my heart and is, uh, I can attribute that, uh, I can say that it's been a great teacher of discipline, of, 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 uh, of hard work, um, or of, uh, of of studying something and being and getting slowly getting better at it, as you say, those kinds of experiences is what we want children to be involved in. Because the sooner you realize that, that through focus, through the use of your free will, and 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 to be able to control yourself and and and, and discipline, you find real freedom. I think I think we sometimes uh, sell uh, young people that. To be free means you have no boundaries, no boundaries, when it's actually the opposite. Um, when you have boundaries, when you have, uh, when you have things that are, that, are, that, are, that are a little bit constraining is when you find the greatest creativity. Uh, the, the, all, every sport has rules. Yes. You can't kick a basketball. You right. bounce it, right? And that's mm-hmm. part of the game. And inside of those rules, you have tremendous creativity. You can have all-stars like Michael Jordan and, and do things with a basketball that we never thought could be done with a basketball. Mm-hmm. Or, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a soccer person because I'm, I'm, I'm Latin American. So, sure. um, and, and so those kinds of things, if you, if you start teaching that to, to, to children, if you start inculcating that, like I said, 
I just want the spark. That's all I need. I want, I want them to, I want, I want to see them when they open their eyes and go, oh, like, you know, when the light bulb goes off, that's the moment I, I, I say, I say, there you go. There, that's the seed. And that's why we decided to put so much effort and so much time and so much money into now that I'm, that I became an entrepreneur and have different businesses and I have attained a measure of success and I feel proud of, of it. How do, how do I share that to, with others and say, look, you can accomplish many things. Here's a spark. Here's something. And they go, wow, yeah, this, this is good. I suppose to know, you know, er, everything's going to be hard and other people are always going to be able to do it and you won't. No, you can too. I love the way you talk. I love the way you express yourself, and I love the way you want to educate those who are not knowing or assuming, you know, that this this is one way. And like, wait a minute, through music and arts, there may be other ways. It, it leads us back to the festival, the, the Columbia Festival that's coming up in uh, July 23rd in Addison Circle. Now, I know all kinds of people will be there, and I, I think it's important for people to know, you know, Latin America that's like anything south of the United States is Latin America. It's, it's Mexico. It's Central America. It's South America. Colombia. There's so many different countries there, and there's so many different cultures. Can you talk about how the Colombia Festival has grown and some of the things that people might uh, expect to see if they come? Yeah, so the Colombian Festival has been uh, celebrated uh, in some shape or form for about 20 years here in DFW. Mm-hmm. Um and usually, it's, uh, you know, many, many years ago, people used to gather in parks and, you know, kind of hang out. We would put soccer games together, um, different things like that. I had a rock band when I was very young. I, I had just arrived here from Colombia and and had a rock band at the time. And I was like, I must have been like 17 or something. And and I played in in the in, in one of the first Colombian festivals. And it's been kind of on and off, on and off. Um, at around the year 2015 is when Uptown Latino, the the the, the for-profit company, let's say. Um, and by the uh, way, it's a beautiful have. website. That Uptown Latino, that is a beautiful oh. website. Oh, thank you. It tells you um, everything you need to know. Great. And and so um, basically, we uh, that's that's the for-profit company to have with with Anna, the mm-hmm. same person we we started the the, the nonprofit with. And uh, and and the the one that created the the first representative event, uh, we started being involved with the Colombian Festival. Uh, and then uh, we actually did the Colombian Festival in 2017. And ever since then, uh, except for 2020 when uh, we we didn't do it because of the pandemic. But but ever since then, it's been it's been growing. It's been uh, we we get uh, we also hire international artists to play at the Colombian Festival mm-hmm. because our our thinking is how do we present the cultural side to as many people as possible. And, and, and uh, it, for most people, they, you know, I, I want to be able to, to, to give them the broccoli, give them the veggies, right? Give them, and maybe wrap it up in bacon, right? So, they, so, it's, <laughs> so, it's, more, so it's more palatable. You know, I want to get more people in. I want more people to be involved. Sure. So basically, what, what we do is we, we also get international artists. Last year, we had the Mauro Castillo, which was the, uh, the voice for Bruno and in the song, um, uh, we don't talk about Bruno for Encanto in that Pixar movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we had, we have Mauro and we had a, an international Grammy uh, nominee, uh, Fade, um, p- playing in the Colombian festival. We had uh, close to 3,500 people attend the, the, the Colombian festival last year. 
and uh, and and yeah so that's basically our our our, our festival we we get um, we get uh, international artists we have the, the, our cultural event that we present in the middle of it so that again we that's that's the that's the veggies those are look this, i'm trying to enrich your life <laughs> a little bit educational yes, but not too much you exactly. know just, you know just hang in there you know there's some drinks you want you can have some right. drinks some food you can have some food sure. but then look stay with us for again we put a show 30 30 minutes 45 minutes max and everybody comes away with huh i think i learned something and and then and then on top of that of course they get the concerts and they get the food and they get the games and and everybody has fun and that's uh, that's that's basically the, the bottom line. And, and of course, even though a lot of Colombians attend the Colombian festival, a lot of people who are not Colombian who love the Colombian uh, culture, who love Colombian food, who love uh, uh, you know the dances and you know the salsa and the cumbias and all of that, uh, they they attend because they they they, they want to be part of that. Mm-hmm. And and we hope to even make it a, a even bigger success uh, this year. The city of Addison has been very kind, has worked uh, very um, uh, very closely with us. And there, they 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 want us to to have a, to basically be able to fill the park every year, fill the park every year. And so we've we we had a really great uh, festival last year, and this is going to be our second year at Addison Circle. We've also had it at the Farmers Market in Dallas. Mm-hmm. We had it in in 2019, um, but um, we we didn't go back. Just uh, when we love the city of Dallas, they also work with us very closely for our cultural event in Representa. The Office of uh, of Arts and Culture in Dallas um, is is supporting us with a grant as well, and and but the only reason we didn't go back to the farmers market is because they didn't want to have um, too loud music. The apartments were too closed. People were kind of complaining, so we said, okay, where can we move it so that people are more used to a festival taking place and not. And of course, they have the big Kaboom Town, the big twenty uh, right. uh, Fourth of July event mm-hmm. in, in in Addison, and also they have Taste of Addison and different things at that park. So they're, they're, it's a city that's more used to having big festivals there. Yeah, they're equipped. Cars. They're equipped. Exactly, exactly. So anyway, so we, we started last year, and uh, so this is going to be our second uh, our second year, and that's going to be our home for, for the festival again. Uh, foods, arts, uh, uh, culture, uh, music, dance. Painting? And, uh, yes, yeah, we, we, we actually have, uh, we'll have, uh, we have some uh, face painting and things sure. like that. We're, we're, we're also looking to... Again, the, this part of part of raising money is to get the word out about Representa, to get more people uh, interested and involved, and say, hey, you know, I can I can help out with this, or I can I can uh, we we can we can produce this kind of thing, and so all everything that has to do with art, everything that has to do with uh, with with culture, we want to be we want to be partners of it, so we can share it uh, with with the kids. You know, Gabe, I'm real curious about Colombia because I've actually been to Costa Rica and Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And when I went to Costa Rica, I was like, this is absolutely amazing. It is really beautiful here in Costa Rica. It's not humid. It's, it reminds me of Hawaii. And someone said, it's the same longitude and latitude of Hawaii. Yeah, and right. they said, but you need to go to Colombia. If you like Costa Rica, Colombia mm-hmm. is absolutely one of the most beautiful countries in the world. You're from Colombia. You grew up there. Tell us a little bit about Colombia. We don't have seasons in Colombia because we're so close to the equator. Mm-hmm. The, the the sun the sun rays are basically steady the same um, all year long. The only thing that that matters is how high up the mountains you are. So you can go really high up in the mountains, and and for example in Bogota, something like eight thousand feet above sea level, which is the capital where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And then there's places that are even higher, the Sea of Boyaca, which is 
uh, a little bit southeast of of Bogota. Uh, it, it's uh, it's it's close to ten thousand feet above sea level. So it's a lot. It's very high, and it gets very cold. People wear different different clothing because it's colder. They eat different things because it's colder. A lot of hot soups, for example, right? Mm-hmm. And and their whole culture is different because there are different people. Um, now, if you if you if you drive if you drive even just a couple hours away from Bogota, you be in ninety degree weather because we're you're in the tropics. Wow, even though, that's even right. Though the beaches, yeah. So it's like wow. So it's just it's, it's kind of wild like that because of ge- the geography in Colombia. We have the the closest ma- the closest snow peaked mountain to a beach in the world, and biodiversity is amazing because again geographically so varied. Um, and we have we have uh, we have the Atlantic Ocean to the north, and we have the Pacific Ocean to the west, and and those two coastal areas again very different cultures. Um, very African on the on on the, on our Pacific side, with a lot of uh, a lot of uh, descendants of people that were brought uh, from Africa mm-hmm. there in the coast. There's there's a lot of that, but also there's a lot of indigenous um, coastal mm-hmm. uh, people there as well. So it's it, it, it's uh, it, 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 the borders are made by 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 government. But 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 cultures are made by people, and yes. so and so you, you can have in a single country you can have all these kinds of people who eat differently, talk differently, uh, dress differently, and you can I guess say they're all Colombians, but they all have um, different customs and different things that they they believe and they do and they and they wear and they eat, and it's all it's all an awesome experience if you're a tourist for sure. That is fantastic, Gabe. It's been a pleasure visiting with you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Chris, for your time, and thank you for all the listeners. He is Gabe Batista, co-founder of the Representative Foundation. I'm Chris Arnold of 105 Be The Fan. Thank you for joining me. Tune in next week as we focus on other organizations and people doing great things in our community right here on Better Living. So long, everybody. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. 
Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.